In Revelation 21, we read, I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The temple, the Lamb of God, draws near to us in word and sacraments so that we may have every blessing for body and soul in the gift of his forgiveness. May the presence of our Lord drawing near to us lead us to eternal praise. Amen. You may be seated. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, it was easy to identify the temple in Jerusalem. It was the magnificent building made of stone, divided into two rooms. A wall enclosed the courtyard that contained an altar for sacrifice and a basin for washing. The place was guarded carefully as ceremonies were conducted, and all the furnishings were ornate and of quality craftsmanship with each and every detail dictated by God himself. But what makes a temple a temple? There were certainly other big buildings made of stone. There were other courtyards surrounded by walls. Animals were slaughtered elsewhere too, and guards stood in front of other places. What made this a temple? Well, what made it a temple was that God lives there. That was his home. When the temple was completed by Solomon, the Lord entered the Holy of Holies in a cloud of glory. He lived there. He lived there, hidden behind a thick curtain, present right there with his people. If they wanted to find God, they went to the temple. That's where he promised to be for them. And everything at the temple was designed to point to God's faithfulness to them. God lived there with his people, and that's why sacrifices were offered there at the temple and not somewhere else. Those sacrifices, uh, they, they proclaimed to the people that they would be saved by sacrifice. Their sin would be atoned for by a sacrifice. And they all pointed forward to that ultimate once and for all sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, the Son of God who is the ultimate sacrifice for the sin of the world. But the Israelites forgot the truth that if God left, then it was just any other building, no matter what it looked like. And so it happened in the Old Testament. As the nation of Israel decayed, the priests took their duties for granted, sloppily going about the ceremonies or neglecting them altogether. And by their actions, they declared that the Lord's presence really wasn't all that special. And so it made perfect sense to them to worship other gods who felt more special to them. So gradually and gradually over time, idols and graven images were brought into the temple itself. Because again, to them, it seemed reasonable to expect that the one true God would share his holy space with others. But that was certainly not the case. As prophesied by Ezekiel, the Lord left the temple. Because God doesn't force his grace or force his presence on anyone. Nor does he share his glory with false gods. The entire design of the temple, every vessel, 
every regulation, every part of it, all pointed to the fact that the temple was like no other place on earth. The one true living God resided there. Why? Well, he lived there for his people. He gave them hope in the midst of all the challenges that they faced. He forgave their sin that filled their hearts with guilt. The people heard the message of God's love and his gift of forgiveness found in the promise to send the Messiah. God's house of worship. This sacred place that we call Grace Lutheran Church is here for our benefit, not God's. God serves us here. It's for our benefit. It's here to be our sanctuary in the world where God serves us with all that we need for this life and for all eternity. God knows what's going on in his house. And so we need to ask ourselves, has our worship ever suggested to God that his presence here in this place doesn't make much difference at all? In our gospel text, as Jesus, the living temple, comes to the temple, he makes it clear that anything that is not about God should be cleansed, should be removed. Because our God is a jealous God, not wanting to share this time with anyone but you. Because you, each and every one of you, are the child that he sent his own son to die for so that he could spend eternity with you. Now, it's possible to destroy the temple, but keep the building. God's house had been destroyed and turned into a store. That's what we saw there in John 2. You could trade in your animal for a better one to be sacrificed for a cost, of course. A $1 lamb elsewhere would cost $15 in the temple court. There also you could exchange your pagan money with the imprint of Caesar on it for temple coinage, of course, with a surcharge. The historian Josephus wrote about the, the business that the high priest's family had there. And if you do the numbers, it would equate to an annual $170 million business today. But because of that, the focus of the temple was no longer on God's presence with and for his people. The message then became to the worshiper that God loves him only if he pays enough money. But Jesus, we see, had a solution. He fashioned a whip out of cords and he drove the merchants out of the temple. Do not make my father's house a house of trade, Jesus says, as he runs them off. Jesus needed to cleanse the temple because they had turned God's house into a store instead of focusing on God's free gift of forgiveness. And going on, we see that God is still present in the temple. Jesus still calls it his father's house. Once again, we see our Lord made to feel unwelcome. And those in, temple, those in charge of the temple market were, of course, less than amused with Jesus' words and actions. And so they come to him and they say, what sign do you show us since you do these things? And Jesus' response kind of puzzles them. 
He says, destroy this temple and I will rebuild it in three days. They're responding, it's taken 46 years to build this temple and you're going to raise it up in three days? This temple wasn't built in a day after all. But John tells us the reason for their confusion. Jesus was speaking about the temple of his body. Because remember, what is a temple? Wherever Jesus is, there is the temple. But who is Jesus? He's the Son of God become flesh. So Jesus is a walking temple. And since that temple made of stone was meant to point to him, Jesus now tried to direct the attention of those angry men from the stone walls of the temple to him, the true temple. Because it's not dead stone that makes the temple. It's God's presence. Jesus is the temple God dwelling among his people. He also serves as the sacrifice who will atone for their sin. Because as we know, his enemies take him up on his sign and end up crucifying the temple. They nail his hands and feet to a cross and they watch him die. The ultimate destruction. So much do they want God gone that they kill him when they have the chance. But Jesus fulfills the rest of the sign as well. He rises again three days later. And as the risen temple, he is present everywhere. But he has promised to be in his word and in the sacraments that he commanded. The Lord will be present wherever Jesus is because Jesus is Lord. Jesus is also the word made flesh. And therefore, wherever the word is proclaimed, Jesus, the word made flesh, is there with his people. And also you add Add the word to water, and Jesus is present with his people in holy baptism. And of course, we dare not forget, ignore, or cut ourselves off from the great declaration of his presence in his supper. Take and eat, this is my body. Take and drink, this is my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus is present in his means of grace his word, and sacraments. Therefore, where you find his word proclaimed in its truth and purity, and his sacraments administered according to his word, there you find Jesus. So brothers and sisters in Christ, rejoice. Rejoice because the temple comes near to you. The Lord comes to you. How awesome is it that Jesus is just as present right here today in his means of grace as he was when he lived in the Holy of Holies, surrounded by the cloud of glory. He is right here for you to give you his gifts. That's why this room that we're sitting in is called the sanctuary, because God comes here. He comes here for you. And so again, a question of law could be asked of us, how is your zeal for God's house? Is this the place where you long to be because Jesus is here for you? Is this the place you long to be because you hear his word and you trust his spirit to work through word and sacrament as God promised? 
to do something wonderful and miraculous, to call you his own, to forgive your every sin, and to equip you for a life of living with the holy temple living in you. There is nothing more important than God's gifts of word and sacrament given for you. That's why coming here, gathering here together is so vital for our lives in Christ. What a blessing it is every week to gather here together as a church family and receive those gifts. Because Jesus teaches us today that the sanctuary is unlike the other places that we go each week. Not like our homes. It's not like our workplace. It's not like the park. It's not like anywhere else we'll go. He gathers us today in his house, in his house where he lives and where the temple comes to serve us and to bless us. And so this time of worship is worthy of all of our zeal. It's worthy of rearranging our schedule and our priorities to clear out our hearts and minds in worship of the Lord who draws near to us. Because again, there is nothing more important than this. This time of worship is worthy of our zeal to tell the world to come and meet you here. To meet you here because of what God does for you here that no one or nothing else can do. And so brothers and sisters in Christ, here is our comfort today. And really it's our comfort every day that the Lord is present with his people. You gather here because he is present here to give you life. Present with his people, God walks with you in his spirit. He talks with you in his word and through prayer. He feeds you with himself, his very body and blood given and shed for you for the forgiveness of your sin and the strengthening of your faith. He refreshes you with a truth that withstands all temptation. He comforts you with life even in the midst of death. And he draws near to make you his for all of eternity. And so we gather together for worship for one reason. The living temple draws near to us. Psalm 38, verse 22 says, Make haste to help me, O Lord, my salvation. And we pray this with repentant joy because we know that God comes and he forgives our sins and he makes us new. And that's why we say, I rejoiced with those who said, let us go to the house of the Lord. Amen.